Before thee let my cry come near, O Lord, true to thy word, teach me before thee. We are thankful that you are able to join us today as Pastor Mark Robinette preaches another sermon at Foundation Church here in Mount Sterling, Ohio. If this message is an encouragement to you, and we pray that it will be, please consider taking the time to go to www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org and let us know. Thank you, and may the Lord richly bless you through His Word. Let my lips thy praise confess, yea, of thy word my tongue would sing, yea, of thy Greetings this Lord today in the name of Jesus. You know, when I was younger, there was a popular notion that giving your life to Jesus, as they used to say, was a great sacrificial deed. Do you guys, you guys ever remember that kind of idea? Like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to give it all to him. I could keep it all for myself, but I'm going to give it to him. Anybody remember that? That was... Now... Every man, woman, or child had been given a life to do whatever they wanted. And there were great pleasures to be had in this life. But we were going to set those all aside to do the rough thing. To follow God and turn away from all those things. Now, I took that road thinking that I had given God a wonderful gift. And I kind of expected God to appreciate it. Come on, you, is, you know what I'm talking about? I was a foolish man. Well, I was a foolish boy. And I grew up to be a foolish man. Because I had these same notions. You know, following God and his word, following the example of Jesus, and living like he lived, have really been no sacrifice (laughs) at all. They have honestly been the most pleasurable things that I could have ever done. Had I sought pleasure, I would not have found it any better way than to follow him. Thinking I had become poor in this life and traded all for heavenly wealth, I found what was true is that there can be wealth for us here right now in this life if we follow Christ. Psalm 49 really, really makes this clear. It's our call to worship today. David, I can't imagine what he was going through. I'm I'm not quite there at Psalm 49 preaching as I preach through the Psalms, obviously. But uh, when I hear this, I wonder what he was going through. He says... He says, hear this, all you people. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the world, both low and high and rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. Sounds like he's wanting you to listen up, right? I will incline my ear to the parable and I will open my dark saying upon the harp. I mean, this is a real lead up, isn't it? I'm about to say something really great here, he says. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil when the iniquity of my heels shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast in themselves and the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give a ransom for him to God. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever that he should live, still live forever and not see corruption For he seeth the wise man die, like the fool, and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, being in honor, he abides not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their sayings like sheep they are laid in the grave death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling but God everybody say but God but God God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave and he shall receive me 
Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul, and men will praise thee when thou dost well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers, and they shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is but like the beasts that perish. We can be thankful today that we know better than this. Amen? For we understand what is truly rich in the world, and that is God's grace. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for bringing us together again with all these people that you are saving and redeeming those who are you are calling by your name. What a great privilege to be their friends and to serve them and to be given the responsibility to care for them. Lord, thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you that we have come together, Lord, confessing our sins, knowing that you can forgive us, that we come hungry and thirsty, knowing that you can and will and are already feeding us, O oh God. We pray, Lord, that you would change us and make us more like you. In Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. My sermon today is called Fullness of Joy. It is from Psalm 16. We are slowly working our way through the Psalms. Only 140 some more to go. You guys, are you getting cranked up? Actually, not 140 more. 130 some more to go. Okay, so, all right. So, Psalm 16, I'm going to read the whole thing. It's only 11 verses. I know we've had a lot of reading today. Uh, You've probably caught up on your Bible reading. We've had so many scriptures read today. Um, Psalm 1, Psalm 1, Psalm 16, starting in verse 1. A mictum of David. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer, nor take up their names into my lips. The Lord is in the portion of mine inheritance, and all of my cup thou maintainest my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places, yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me, because he is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad, and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life in the presence. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today longing to hear your voice. And so I pray, Lord, that as I would preach your word, that the congregation would hear your voice. That you would speak to them and and to me as a part of the congregation. Lord, that you would instruct us. That you would make us wise. And Lord, that by the power of your transforming words, that you would make us more fit for heaven. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You guys have heard of the golden rule, right? It's not really something people talk about a lot today, the golden rule. But this is something maybe you haven't heard of. A golden psalm. This Psalm 16 is one of seven such psalms in the Bible known as a golden psalm. I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in just a minute. Reading through it just as I have with no explanation makes it easy to see why these 11 verses were so valuable to the people of God. This prayer written and sung by David is a powerful pattern for us. It's a very powerful pattern for us when we are considering 
how to come to God in prayer. Now, we'll see as we work our way through it that it teaches us how to come to God and who God can be in our lives if we listen to His Word and we trust Him. Fervent prayers to God accomplish more than we can know. And as we have already learned in our first 15 Psalms, to know God is to lean into Him daily in prayer and in song. How many of you found your experience as we have been going through the Psalms, you've been thinking a little bit more about prayer? I hope that after we go through, you know, 150 chapters about someone who's praying, that at the end of it, we'll pray more. Is, would that be too much to, to think, too much to hope for? Now, this is what sets apart God's people from the hopeless blind souls walking in darkness, seeking refuge where there is none, craving food where there are only empty pantries, and working for freedom where there is only slavery, and seeking wisdom from fools. That's all they have. That's not what we have. We have God's counsel. Amen? More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, more than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Know today what all who are wise have come to know, that God is our safest refuge for our body and our soul. And I think sometimes we don't know this part of it. It's for our body, everybody say our body, and our soul. Many of us are convinced that this is going to work out good when we get to heaven later on in the sweet by and by. But what we fail to understand is that that this is good for us right now. God is our supreme treasure. Amen? He is our sovereign Lord. And God is our trusted counselor. He will indeed bring us into the fullness of His joy, to the pleasures of His right hand. And in Him we shall not be moved. Everybody say, I shall not be moved. moved. The golden psalm is a powerful pattern for prayer. And pattern for our lives. We're going to start here in verse 1 and work our way through. And I pray that by the time we're done, you will begin to feel and understand what David was singing about. And um, we'll get to this at the end. And I I have a lot to cover, so I'll try to move through it as fast as I can. But you will see that this song, this prayer, if I were a musician, I could try to do this for you. It starts off low and slow. Slow. But then it kind of modulates and it goes up. And then it modulates again and it goes up. And finally, it resolves. And it's a really beautiful prayer. Uh, And it's a beautiful, I'm sure it was a beautiful song. I'm sure the music was amazing. So we start with these words that are often left out in online Bibles and often in many uh, hand, you know, written Bibles, uh, many texts that we hold in our hands. A mictum of David. Now, there are some disputes about what these things mean. Um, and there are, we have been, you know, we talk about all of these different words that are preceding these psalms, the first 15 psalms. There's all kind of interesting words like a shimonith or a hagion or um, some of these other ones that we've learned. But this is called a mictum. Um, Easton's Bible Dictionary says this. It is a poem or song um, of the psalms. Translated golden or precious. It is rendered uh, by the word meaning tablet of inscription or stelograph. The root of the word means to stamp or to grave. Hence it is regarded as denoting a composition so precious as to be worthy to be engraved on a durable tablet for preservation. Or as others have read it, a psalm precious as stamped gold. Isn't that amazing? You know, we know that all of God's words, and we talked about this recently, there are some people who uh, go to the Bible and they look for the red, and they say, you know, what's in the red? Jesus said, right? And so we're going to go by that. I'm sure that God did not have this written in gold letters, uh, because we may elevate it above others, because all words of God are pure. Amen? But what this does is it tells us that the people of Israel came to rely on the words of this song and this prayer as something especially wonderful for them. How many of you have scriptures that for you just come out? They, you're at a certain time and, and place in your life and they come out. I, I have mine. You guys hear them all the time because I'm up here in this pulpit. Right? 
Every now and then I'll say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I'll get all excited, right? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You hear me quote some of the same things over and over. Because for me, they are the songs of my heart from Scripture. And for the children of Israel, maybe, uh, you know, we, we may find the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. As a golden place for us to go. But the children of Israel had these ones that were very, very special to them as a nation in Psalm 16 is one of them. It starts off with the words here in verse 1. It's a very, very short petition. Everybody say petition. Petition is what we're coming to ask, you know. People come and they, they come to talk to you. And after a while you wonder, what did, it, what did, you, what did, you, what did you call for? They come to, what, what are you... Are you just saying hi to me or was there something you needed? And they kind of get down to it. Oh, well, yeah, there was something. I was wanting to know, Steve, if you would go and turn the air conditioning on at the church. Yeah, okay. That's the petition, right? And so the petition is very, very short. It's at the very beginning of the prayer. And it says, preserve me, O God. Everybody say, preserve me, O God. For in thee do I put my trust. So his entire petition, petition, Brother Andy, is just preserve me. And we don't find out until the end of the chapter almost what it is that he wants to be preserved from. But his petition is this. It's simple. He doesn't ask for 12 scriptures of things. He doesn't ask for a lot. In this one, he just says, save me. Preserve me, O God, for in thee... Do I put my trust? Save me from what? We'll find out. What we see next is he says, Because I put my trust in you. Save me, God. Preserve me, for I have nowhere else to go. Like Peter. Remember Peter when everyone was leaving Jesus and he uh, is there with Jesus and Jesus says, Will you leave me also? Remember that? What does he say? John six sixty eight. Where can I go? Where can I go, Lord? Only you have the words of eternal life. He's saying, I'm not going anywhere. And so he's saying, God, preserve me because I put my trust in you. I've, I don't have anywhere else to go. I, I kind of pictured myself... Um, being chased by an army. I'm kind of a, an imaginative person. I don't know. Maybe you guys haven't figured that out yet. But as I was reading this, I was picturing me running for my life. And this giant army chasing after me. And, and God's citadel is there. And I'm running. And I run across the drawbridge. And I run inside. And they open up the, the big wooden doors. And I'm inside there with God. And I say, God, save me. Because... I put my trust in you. You are my refuge. I'm in here. And of course, the drawbridge is up and God is there and there's nobody coming in there. Amen? God has got to be where we run. We oftentimes run other places. We run, when we run to our own resources and our wealth and our wisdom, does it work out, guys? It doesn't work out. When we get good ideas in our mind about, you know what I think I'll do, I think I'll do this. You know, Instead of going to God and saying, God help me, I really need your help. Lord, I'm running to you. We oftentimes go other places. I, save me, God. Verse 2, O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. So he makes a petition of God. He says, God, I want you to save me because you're the only refuge I have. But then he begins to lift up the name of the Lord. And we will see that for several verses, he begins to praise God. And this is one of the patterns that is a good way to pray. I don't think there is one exact way to pray. But I think this is a good pattern. We come to God and we ask Him for something. And sometimes if we take the time to remember what God is. And remember who He is. Then by the time we're done with the prayer. Our prayer really is already answered. When we go and we say save me God. We got to get to the point where we feel. Or where we understand that He is. My soul says unto Yahweh. You'll notice 
all capital letters, L-O-R-D, in all capital letters, you, you are my sovereign Lord. You're not merely the one who made all things, you rule my life. Where I go, where I live, what I do, who I marry, who I don't marry, what I earn. Lord, you are my Lord. We see this in the scripture many times and we miss it when it says, Lord, you are my Lord. We're like, kind of sounds redundant. Lord, I've just called you Lord. But he's saying, God, you are my ruler. What we want to do when we look into God's word and when we seek the Lord in prayer is we're wanting him to tell us what to do. We're wanting to be able to say, God, there's there 20 things I can do right now, but what is it that you would have me to do? That's what it means to have Christ to be Lord of your life. You can make decisions about what you're going to do a lot, and we do. But when we become a people who understand that God is our refuge, we will look to Him for leadership. Is that what God is for you? Or do you see Him as someone who's really just helping you out in life, doing the things that you want to do? This was kind of the God that I learned about when I was young. There was a group of people, Stephen, who would tell me, they would say, you know what, God can help you live your best life. He can help you have a good family. He can help you be a better husband. He can make you successful and you'll have everything that you want. This was kind of like the God who helps us out. Anybody, does anyone ever try to sell you that God? The God who helps you out? You know what, if you, want, brother, if you want to be an astronaut, God can help you to become an astronaut. If you want to be an inventor, he can make you a great inventor. And so it really kind of puts the whole thing on who? On, on you. And what you're doing is you're saying, this is what I do, but God is kind of a helper for me. Now, God certainly does help us, but I think that we're getting it backwards when instead of understanding that he's our Lord, he's our commander, he's our ruler, we miss out on understanding how to find refuge in God. You know, finding refuge in God is not finding your own hiding place and asking God to fix it for you there, but it is literally running into God. If we want God's protection, he must be our Lord. To run into him for safety is to submit to his word at every turn and in every part of our lives. He declares this. He said, Oh, my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord. My goodness extendeth not to thee. Can you see where he's going? He said, You're my Lord, you're my ruler, and you're good. And just so you know, there's nothing good in me that adds anything to you. Kind of back to the beginning of the service when I I used to think God should appreciate that I have joined his team. Now there can be... A dream team, because I'm on it, Steve. I'm on it. I've joined God's team, and uh, I'm here to help, and I'm going to put all of what I got in there. Lord, you should be, you should be glad that I, I turned away. The, I could have been on all these other teams, but Lord, I'm on yours. The, uh, the ESV says it this way. I have no good apart from you. You are good and I'm not. As David has already said in Psalm 14, and Paul would quote it again in Romans 3, there is none that doeth good. No, not not one. My coming to you does not add to your goodness. Nothing and no one could do that. Only you are good. This is what humility is. Now, maybe one day when I go to heaven, I'm going to find out that I was proud. I can't even, I don't even understand people that are proud. Now, maybe I am. Maybe I'm like this other weird kind of proud that I'm not understanding. Maybe I'm proud that I'm not proud. Okay, maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. I don't know. But humility is really understanding where you are. You know the song where it says, you know, how could you do this for such a worm as I like? I don't sing that and go, well, I, I'm not really a worm. I, I'm like, yeah, that's it. Well, how could, Lord, why would you do this for me? You see, the more time you spend with God, the more He talks to you, the more you see Him at work in your life, the less great you really come to understand that you are. You get older and you walk with Him and you know every P 
pit that you dug that you fell in that he had to help you out. You get the understanding that if you would have just listened to him in the begin with, you wouldn't be suffering in so much turmoil and trouble all the time. And finally, you get to this place where you're just at resolution, where you're like, okay, I give up. And what's funny is we're like frustrated in that moment. Like, I'm, that's it, I quit. Like, no. What if we could start off that way? All right, I quit. David exalts in the greatness of God, and now he's going to show how he even sees goodness in the people of God. He sees the goodness of God in the people of God. You know, your perspective on things matters a great deal. If you really see God at work in people around you, you will love those people. You know, if you want to look at people's faults and failures and sins and shortcomings and all the things that irritate you about them, you can do that if you want. But I think it's an amazing thing to look and see God at work in other human beings' lives. You know, Amy's on the front row here. She's holding this little baby. And I bet she's as tired as she can be. You know, they want to help, right? You guys want to help. Don't you, Brownfields, want to help? You want to help and you see this thing and then, and then you do it and it like just about kills you, doesn't it? Come on. I know. I've done it. I can say it. I, we had little kids that God brought into our lives and they're just they're there and you're like, wow, okay, now I, I got all the kids I had in the same house and the same husband and the same yard and the same life and now we got these and they're crying and it's difficult and it's more and more car space and more stuff at the store, right? Isn't it amazing how that makes you rich? Now, you, you may not be feeling very, you may just be feeling tired right now. <laughs> but what I, what I have found is that when I have all the time in the world to do whatever I would want to do, you know how my life's going to end up? Pretty miserable. But when we put ourselves smack dab in the work of God, even as miserable as it is sometimes to do it, there is an abiding joy that is in it that is not like the, the, the path we would choose. We would choose the path of fun and distraction and entertainment and whatever. And that, that has, that's like cotton candy. But the saints that are in the earth to the excellent in whom is my delight. David is delighting in the people of God. He's, he's looking at, you know, Brother Jeff holding little Talia back there. And, and he's going, oh, yeah. That's what, that's what God has for us. We, we can complain and we can backbite and, and we can gossip and, and we can talk bad. and You can complain about anything. But with the help of God, we could love it and love each other. You could look at those things that, about Jeff that drive you crazy, and you can focus on them all you want. But God has something else for us. David is praying about this. He's like, to the saints that are in the earth and to the excellent in whom is my delight. He delighted in the people of God. He loved to be with them. He loved to be around them and to hear their stories and, and their little problems and things that they had it wasn't such an irritation to him in this moment of his distress where he's crying out to God to preserve him he's seeing God everywhere he's looking right in the rustling grass I see him pass he speaks to me everywhere is God speaking to you through the people in your home through your children to the people that God has knit you together in the church or are you just kind of looking at yourself in your world, feeling sorry for yourself. Prayer can help us to remember that God has given us some pretty wonderful things. Church on Sunday reminds me of that. We were sitting at our dinner table last night, and Jonathan and Matthew were there. And I'm like, man, I just, I just love you guys. I'm so glad you're here at my house. Why? I don't, now maybe they got me fooled, but they seem to love God. Now, I can tell you right now, there are things to be irritated and not like about these two young men. I could start right now. Wait a minute, the list is in here. Wait, let me get it up. 
But the deal is you can delight. You can delight in the people that God has given you. And it's a lovely thing to do. I love the saints. Right? The ESV says, as for the saints and the land, they are the excellent ones. In whom is all my delight. Not ahead of God, but because of God. The thing I love about Tim Hatfield isn't Tim Hatfield. It's Christ in him that's learning to love his wife and his children. And I'm watching this guy that was just a, a person that walked in the world who didn't know God. who was blind. I'm watching, I'm watching light appear in his life. I'm telling you, folks, if you can't take joy in that, you might want to pray for God to fill you with the Spirit. I love to sing songs like The Church is One Foundation and For All the Saints or even the one that gets me every time, The Son of God Goes Forth to War. Because when I sing those songs, I can see the faces of God's people who live for Him over the ages and, and I see mine too. Who will follow in their train? I, lo- I don't even know them and I love them. Isn't it a wonderful thing? We can love people we've never met. When I read about, I remember reading G.K. Chesterton's biography about St. Francis. And I was kind of all set up not to like him. If you've ever been to the house of a Catholic who has him out front and he's got all these, you know, animals and and whatever. And they have all these trinkets and it's all St. Francis. And I'm like, oh, what kind of guy was he anyway? It's a pretty wonderful guy. What a nut. What an absolute, total, complete nut. But what did Paul say? He says, if I am crazy, I'm crazy for the Lord, right? So here we have a guy who preaches to, you know, birds and groundhogs and whatever. And, and you know, lives such a bizarre life. Tries to get people to kill him so he can be a martyr, but they won't even do that. I mean, what a goofy guy. But a guy who loved the Lord and who changed the world by what God did in him. I love the saints. Everybody say, I love the saints. I am one of those people. And by the power of God's spirit, is there anything lovable about me? I pray it's the spirit of God, my passion for the, and love for the Lord. How can we enjoy most of those people who do not know or love our Lord? Why should we care to read the stories that they've written or listen to the songs that they come up with or dance to their tunes? When I hear someone like Andrew Peterson ask, is he worthy? Tears well up in my eyes because I've asked myself that too. He knows that all the darkness won't keep the light from getting through. I hear him, I'm like, yeah, yeah. He thinks like I do because the world's filled with it. It's filled with yuckiness and darkness and grossness. Oh yeah, that's true. I had a thought this week. I was in the library and, and I was thinking about how God does what he does. You know, we see something like the internet and for us it's like this terrifying thing that's here to destroy us. It's like the, the, you know, this evil serpentine python who wants to come into our life and destroy us. But I love getting pictures of nets for mosquitoes in Myanmar. And I love hearing Pastor Neng say, thank you, Brother Mark, for your loving care for me and my family. And I go, wow. I'm holding a thing. I live in a day and age. I can hold in my hand and talk to a man 8,500 miles away about what God's doing in his life. Folks, that's what you do with the internet. And while the devil says he's pouring out his filth like sewers through it, God is going, oh, that's what you think's happening. And it is. But it's going as a sewer to those who open their mouths for that. But it is like a circulation system of blood pumping through the world with the word of God, with the stories of God's faithfulness, with love for brothers and sisters around the world. That's how I see it. And you might go, well, you're Pollyanna. Well, whatever. Whatever. I love the stories and biographies of godly men and women. I love the opportunity to commune with them as they tell the stories and they share their hearts. 
Is that what you love? David next says, I hate something. I hate the way of the sinner. David declared his love for God and his love for God's people. And now in the next verse, verse 4, he speaks to those other people and how he feels. He says in verse 4, their sorrows shall be multiplied that hasten after another God. He's contrasting the goodness of the people of God and the goodness of God with them out there in the world who oftentimes we look at with envy. And we want to be like them and we want to copy them and and we wish we had what they have and David is like, not me! Their life is going to be filled with sorrow who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings I will not offer nor will I take up their names upon my lips. The life of God's people is the best life and the life of the wicked is miserable. And I'm not trying to say that because Christians haven't been put in prison or because Christians haven't even been skinned alive for the gospel. I'm saying that the worst day for the Christian on earth is better than the best day for those who do not know God because even in what they have they cannot, they do not have the capacity for joy even in it all There is emptiness and pointlessness to it all. David says, I don't even want to say their names. How many of you feel like that? Ephesians 5.12 says, It is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. We We talk too much about what they do, where they go, and how they live. Can you join me today in not dwelling on what they're doing? Sunday's a day. We don't have to do that. We don't have to worry about what so-and-so in some other place is thinking or doing or how they did. But instead, whatsoever things are true. Amen? Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. And I love this, whatsoever things are lovely. I mean, what what religion in the world cares about loveliness? They don't. They don't understand it. Whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. God says if we do that, He will keep our hearts and our minds from the worries and the cares of the world. David now turns back to what he loved as he continues to declare and exalt the goodness of God in verse 5. He said, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup. And thou maintains my lot. You might miss this. It's a little King James English. I don't really know how it reads in the, in the ESV. But when it says he's my portion, it's saying God is my food. He's the best, most delectable, most wonderful, most tasty, most incredible. When I see good food and drink, David said, I see God in every morsel, in every taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness. Oh Lord, fill me. You prepare a table before me, even in the presence of mine enemies. And my cup runs over. You see, feasting. Is such a wonderful thing because the Bible teaches us as we do it that if we, have, if we are filled with the Spirit of God, that as we eat, we are feasting on Him. We enjoy the taste and the, the, the textures and the aromas and the presentation and we see it all. And oftentimes, you guys may see, I take pictures of my table. You guys ever see this? You guys ever look at my Facebook stuff? I take pictures of the food. You go, man, he's just a big fat guy. He loves food. Look at that. You know what I see in steaming bowl of mashed potatoes and, and barbecue sauce coming off of, the, of the, the ribs? I see the goodness of God because God could have made everything taste the same. He could have made it all bland. He could have all been one thing, but oh no. I mean, in fact, there's a thousand different kinds of barbecue sauce. That's something to be excited. You may go, Pastor Mark's gone crazy. It's too close to lunchtime. But God is good. 
the depths, we will see where he's going. He says, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I believe there will be butter in heaven. There'll be something probably way better than butter. It'll be like that butter stuff that we make up where they mix the butter and the whatever and the honey or the butter and the, what is it? The, the, on the, I don't even know. We'll be, we'll be eating things and, and we'll be like, oh, what is this? Oh, wow, this is fantastic. You might go, oh, come on, that's so carnal. That's so, that's so fleshly and earthly. The world knows nothing of this. This is God's doing. God made food. This is an amazing thing to me, Annie. God made food, right, when man couldn't die. You ever think of that? All the fruit hanging on the trees, and they were beautiful, and they were lovely, and, and they're looking around. I think that what happened to mankind is, is he's looking at everything good, and he's like, man, everything God made was so good. I really want that too, because he made that, you know, and they, they ate the wrong, they, they should have, shouldn't have done it. But, but here they were, they're like, oh, here's a plum, here's a, here's a peach, here's an apple, here's a pear. What's next? A grape, a strawberry, a raspberry, a blackberry. My mind's about to explode. What is on that tree over there? He moves on and he says that God holds my lot. When the dice roll, when the lot is drawn, the dice cast, God determines it all. The lot, God is the Lord of the lot. Nothing comes to chance in the life of the godly. Proverbs 16:33, the lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. The verse that I just read here in uh, Verse 5 of 16.5 says it this way in the ESV. It says, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision. Every decision made, even from the casting of the lot and the flip of the coin, is God's. Folks, you have people who don't believe in God's sovereignty. And I'm telling you that you need to just take them to the Bible over and over. You can flip a coin all you want. You can draw the lots all that you want. When Jonah was on the boat and they drew the lot to find out who it was, the lot fell to who? Jonah. And if you think it only happened to him and it won't happen to you, it doesn't happen to you, you're going to find out. God is in charge of everything. And David was exalting God in it. He knew that what his life was, was part of a plan and a story that God was telling. And it was not just unfolding at some randomness. He goes in verse 6 and he furthers this by saying, the lines are falling out unto me in pleasant places. If you, if you don't dig into this, you'll miss what he's saying. He's... He's saying this, he says, these border lines that God has put, these boundary lines, he put you where you are right now in your life for your good. Now, Andrea Jean, which is what I'll call you for right now. Two years from now, did you ever imagine you'd be right here? Two years ago, you're like, you maybe had a night what your life was going to be. And now look at this. Isn't the Lord good? God prepared you for this family, for this time. That's what God was doing. And kids, you know what? God put her through a lot of difficult things so she could come and love you. That's got to make her look back at her life that may have been very difficult. And all those times of wondering what God was going to do. And now she understands better what God was making her to be. Oh God, you've determined the lines and the bounds and the places and the times for me. And I have come to understand that you are good to me. Maybe you're in a difficult, maybe you're not where Andrea is seeing what God was doing. Maybe you're at the place where you don't know. But I can tell you right now, as you pray, you need to find out that the lines are falling to you in pleasant places. God's sovereignty sets lines and borders. God has put me right where He wants me, where it's best for me. He's making me what I will be. Job 38 says, Thus far shall you come and no further hear you proud waves be stayed. God determines where the waves stop. He determines where groups of people on the earth live. 
You may, what's the deal? Isn't it crazy that there are places where these group of people live and this group of people, and God has said they live there because I put them there. Acts 17, 26. God has determined when and where the people groups of the world will live and set the bounds of their habitation. What God has for me is lovely. Everybody say lovely. Paul said this as he struggled against a very difficult thing. That knowing this could take... Because he understood this, he said... If you remember, we said this a couple weeks ago. He said, and because I know this, I take pleasure in infirmities. When you understand that God put you there for a something to accomplish in your life, it can really, really affect your attitude in the midst of it all. Romans 8, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, brethren who He predestinate, them He called those He called, He justified those He justified, He glorified. If you're missing this in verse 30, He's saying, whatever I start in a man or a woman's life, I finish it. If I call them, it's because I destined for them to be called. And those that I called, you know what's going to happen in their lives? They will be justified. And those that I justify, those will be glorified. This is not a if this and if that. No, it is if I start it, I am the author and the finisher of their faith. What I'm doing in their life, I did not begin to just let it fade away, but I will finish that which I have started in their life. Verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? Well, I tell you what we say to these things. We say to everything that raises its ugly head in our lives and says that God is not good, that said, what's the point of this? And here's what we say. What shall we say if God be for us? Who can be against us? If God be for us, what can be against us? He that spared not his son but delivered him for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Folks, I'm telling you right now, God takes pleasure in his people and he wants to bless you and he wants to give you a good life right now and in heaven. Who shall say anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God who justifies. They may say, oh, this is bad. Things going to happen to you and, and it isn't going to work out. And in the end, you're going to be disappointed. No, I won't. I know it won't happen that way. Because God gives me hope. The Bible says that the hope that he gives is hope that makes not ashamed. Who is he that condemneth? Do you know you can't even condemn your own self? The Bible says if your heart condemns you, Benita, guess what? God's even greater than that. You ever do that? You ever get caught up in that, Brother Chris? Thinking about things you did, thinking about things that you wish you hadn't done, worrying about what it's going to cost you and how it's going to pay and why it's going to be delivered upon your own head. And he says, you know what? If your heart condemns you, Brother, God is greater than your heart. It's Christ who died, yea, rather is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of God, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep as to slaughter, nay, in all these things, in all these things, in whatever it is, if they kill us, if they run us over with a truck, if they... Do whatever they do to us, whatever they're doing to us, God has determined for it to be done. I am persuaded neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, powers or things present to come, nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. You see, David was wanting to be preserved. He was wanting to abide. He was not wanting it all to come to a miserable end. The lines are falling to me in pleasant places. Everybody say pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. The pleasant places and goodly heritage is a double emphasis, Brother Steve. He said, all that God has given me, my property, my possessions, whatever he's given me, it is beautiful. It is pleasant. It is pleasurable. It is lovely. God is good to his people in this life and in the life to come. He comes to verse 7 and he says, he begins to bless the Lord. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who have given me counsel. 
My reigns also instructs me in the night seasons. And we have these two verses that are the, the two, two phrases in this one verse that are really saying the same thing and emphasizing this. We already learned in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in thee counsel of the ungodly and David is saying Lord you have given me counsel not only have you given me counsel but you've given me a conscience there is safety in God's wise counsel we find refuge as David did when we learn from God what he wants for us to do God's words are not a prison to keep us but they are the keys to the only real freedom offered in this world of sin amen When we look for ways around God's word, seeming loopholes that we think will allow us to do what we really want to do, things that we know are wrong, it will only be for our own harm. Do not look to God's word for for a way to do what you want to do. Look to what he has truly said and challenge your every thought with it. Let God's word trample it under his feet and bring it under subjection to the name of Christ. It is easy not to see this when you do this, but I pray that God will help you today where I cannot. Listen to the conscience that God has given you. Listen for the voice of God leading you in in the plans that you are making for your life. May we seek Him day in and night upon our beds. Amen? He transitions here from petition, from exaltation as we have been on now to declaration we've seen david's petition to preserve him we've seen david's worship to god as his counselor his food uh his lord and now we'll see what happens and this is what happens oftentimes when we are in prayer and we're in distress as we if we can remember who he is and we begin to pray what he is we will start to see him for what he is and that's what happens in verse 8 of this song and prayer he said, I have set the Lord always before me. He's declaring now. He's not asking. He's not telling. He's, he's declaring. I have set the Lord always before me. Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, God, the God of heaven. I've set him before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Can you see the change occur here in the song? A modulation, maybe even a key change as David goes from exaltation to declaring what he knows is true. I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. This line calls us back to the Psalm 15.5 which we were talking about last week. The very last words of the song prayer here. The question and answer to God about these saints who stand and stay. Remember David finally saying that those who do these things. He mentioned that they shall not be moved right just like the song just like a tree planted by the waters i shall not be moved this is a great way to pray start off asking it's okay to be tentative when we do as we pray declaring who god is for you exalting what he is for you your faith will build and you'll begin to declare what is true he says in verse 9 therefore my heart is glad And my glory rejoiceth, and my flesh also shall rest in hope. See how he's moving on from things about God, and he's talking about where he's standing and where he's declaring who he is. Don't miss in verse 9 the therefore. When you get it, when when you get in the Bible and you become to you come to a place where it says, therefore, you should stop. Therefore, my heart is glad. Therefore, my glory rejoices. Therefore, my flesh shall rest in hope. Finally, joy has come in the prayer. And now that the joy has come, the answer has come. The answer of what he wanted to be saved from comes. Remember the beginning of the psalm when David asked God, Preserve me, O Lord. What comes next is the answer of what David wanted saving from. Verse 10, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in Hades or what we might call the grave neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption now this is very very interesting to me because David died David was buried and David did see corruption but yet he's here he's prophesying 
You'll see this in the story of Abraham. God promised things for Abraham. And Hebrews 11 tells us that what God promised to Abraham, that he did not receive it. Right? Now we know, we know he's received it now. But he didn't receive it in his day. And here we have David. He's prophesying unknowing really, unknowing really what it's all about. And and, in Acts, it really lays it all out. Andy read the whole thing for you in Acts chapter 2. But he was worried about this. He said, you will not leave my soul in the grave. You will not let your Holy One to see corruption. David didn't want to die. He didn't want to just go to the dust. He just didn't want it to be the end. Now, you, a lot of you people are young and you don't think like this. I, I've really, as, as I'm really ancient right now, I just turned 50 years old. I've been thinking a lot about this. David didn't want that just to be it. Death's a scary thing. But as we know today, it's a whole lot less scary for us today than it was for David. You see, David, David didn't have the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He prayed for his own resurrection, and in doing so, he prophesied of one who was not yet to come. And in the final verse of the psalm, we find perfect resolution. And that's really why I call this sermon the fullness of joy, because it's where his prayer takes him to. Verse 11, thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy, and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. Folks, I'm telling you right now, God has good things for us now as well as in heaven. You will show me the path of life in your presence is right now fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore because I know he holds tomorrow. Life is worthing, but because he lives, I live now and I know that I will live forever at his right hand. I'll read this part in Acts just as I'm winding down here. In Acts chapter 2, Peter is preaching about this subject. You have to understand that these men that he's preaching to are the ones who crucified the Messiah that had been promised to Israel forever. Since the Garden of Eden, they've been knowing that someone's going to come, some man's going to come, and he finally came. And these men that are standing there Instead of worshiping and falling down at, their, at his feet and declaring him as their savior, they killed him. Now, how many of you would be scared if you realize this? They, they should have been scared. I really think we miss a lot of the scriptural things here because they say, you know, what, what must we do to be saved? Folks, what kind of salvation do you think they were talking about? They were worrying about being killed right then and there. Just like in Acts chapter 16 at the Philippian jailer. He's saying, what must we, how can we be saved? Like, we know that if people get out of the jail here, we're all going to be put to death by our Roman leaders. And they wanted to be saved. And sometimes we equate this salvation uh, in, for heaven, what is really a salvation here on earth. And they're wanting to know... How can we not be killed for this? How can we not have to pay for this horrible crime? So listen, as he begins to preach to them and talk to them, he says in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 25, David spoke concerning him of Jesus. I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He is on my right hand that I shall not be moved. See that line, I shall not be moved? It's from Psalm 16. Therefore did my heart rejoice. That's from Psalm 16. My tongue was glad my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Verse 29. Men and brethren let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David. That he is dead and buried. And his sepulcher is with us to this day. You'll find that David even knew he was going to die. God had told him, he said, one day when you come to rest in the grave with your fathers. He knew he was going to die, but yet he still prayed this. Verse 30, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him. 
that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh saw corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he says to himself, The Lord said to my Lord, he's quoting Psalm 2, Sit thou on my right hand. Actually, Psalm 110, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And I'm just going to end by reading it through one time and kind of, if you can just sort of hear it with me, maybe I'll even sing it a little bit for you, okay? So he starts off kind of low and slow. Preserve me, O God, for in thee do I put my trust. And immediately in the song, he goes up a little higher. Oh, my soul, thou hast exalted the Lord. Thou art my Lord. My goodness extends not to thee, O Lord. But in the saints of the earth, the excellent ones whom is my delight. There, and then he goes, he, he sings it as it goes up higher. He sings through this. They hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood will I not offer nor take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my life. My inheritance of my cup, thou maintains my lot. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night. And then he takes it up again. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices and my flesh shall rest in hope. It had maybe something like that. And then the resolution. For thou will not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Kind of like the pattern of a song. It's got to resolve itself out. There's a song that we used to sing. I'll close by singing it. Maybe if you sing it, sung it in your lifetime, you can join me in it. It's from this psalm. And it goes like this. In His presence There is fullness of joy At His right hand There are pleasures forevermore Oh, what fellowship divine When I am His and He is mine In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Let's sing it again. In His presence, there's fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy at His right hand. At His right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. There are pleasures forevermore. Oh, what fellowship divine. And I am His and He is mine. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness, your kindness, and your mercy, Lord. We thank you that you hear our prayers, our petitions that go up before you, Lord. They are not sent out into 
a sky never to be heard or heeded, God, but that you hear our prayers. And Lord, we thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love and that you call us. And you call us into the refuge, Lord, of yourself. Lord, we thank you that you can be our counselor and that we can trust that you are our sovereign, Lord, and that you will and can be our portion, Lord. Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we hear your word, that we would be called to a deeper walk with you, that we would be called into your presence to offer our petitions before you with the confidence of knowing that you raised up Jesus from the dead, that we would fear death no more. O grave and death, where are your sting? They are gone. Lord, we are thankful today, Lord, that what you have set before us is life and that we will choose life today and that we will live. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Robinette of Foundation Church. Thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to our audio sermons. We would love to hear from you if you have any comments, questions, or just to let us know how they served you. Go to our website, www.foundationfellowshipchurch.org, and send us a note. Thank you, and it's a pleasure to serve you.